Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. All right, so this week we are tackling the question, what does God call the church family to look like? Maybe I'll just start out by talking about a conversation that I had with a brother here a couple Sundays ago. Uh, he had recently moved from California, and from his perspective, Idahoans seem radically independent and individualistic. And he mentioned one of his friends who's a professing Christian who lives here in the area, and he says that the corporate gathering of the church is not even something that God commands us to do in Scripture, that this is something that we have invented. Now, I actually believe that his position represents, you know, an extreme point of view, but there are lots of other professing Christians who hold this view at least practically. Gathering together for corporate worship on Sunday with the Lord's people is, it's not important, it's not a priority, and many think that they don't need the church body to worship God. God. And I believe that whether we're talking about the extreme position, namely that God didn't command us to do church, or the less extreme position, namely that church isn't a priority, that these two positions are actually gaining momentum. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if many of our listeners don't go to church at all. And this actually reminds me one of the things that my dad used to tell me that every in every generation we have to reprove some of the basic doctrines of scripture, even church. Not that they haven't been proved objectively, but that they haven't yet been proved to the next generation subjectively. So with that in mind, brothers, does God call us to do church corporately? And can we demonstrate that from the Bible? We can definitely do that with just one verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verses, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, followed by verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. And that one verse calls us to the regular attendance of a worship service. Yeah, I learned that in the old, uh, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's clear enough, but you know, you look at the whole of Scripture to say, you know, to ask the question, does God command us to, to gather together and be a people? Yeah, you can point to Hebrews 10, obviously. God, nowhere in the Bible does God command us to breathe, but we do, and we'll, and we'll die if we don't. Throughout the Bible, it's simply assumed that God calls together a people. You know, in the Old Testament, God calls to himself his people Israel and sets them apart to, to be his people and to be a light to the nations. They couldn't say, I read the Torah, so yes. I don't need to be there. <laughs> they couldn't say, you know, I just, I'm just going to stay here at home and, you know, in my own house and read Torah. No, of course. Uh, they're going to be together with God's people. And you come into the New Testament, and Jesus does not say, I will build up individual Christians to do their own thing, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. No. Right. He says, I, I will build my church. It's simply assumed throughout the entire Bible we are called together to be a people. 
in the Old Testament, those that were outside of Israel as they came in, and Israel representing the church at that period of time, they would have to go through certain membership rites. If a stranger, Exodus twelve forty eight says, if a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it, and he shall be a native of the land. So there was there was a in one sense a membership right to. Uh, to enter into the mm-hmm. the people of God context today, it's you know it's not circumcision. It's made a lot easier to join the church now, but it's through uh, baptism and a certain membership vows. You know, throughout the New Testament, there's analogies to calling the church together. We are called living stones. Uh, you know, we're vitally connected together. First Peter two five. We're called the body. We can't be constituted only occasionally. We are the body of Christ. We're the family of God, Ephesians 3.15. We're the flock of God, 1 Peter 5, 2 through 3. We have evidence in the Bible, not simply the specific reference in Hebrews chapter 10, but we have other analogies that show us that we are called to be together. I think an opinion that is so pervasive in our culture today is the idea that what God wants is just people to worship him, and it doesn't matter if you do that as an individual, if you do that with a couple people, if you do that as a corporate body. And so they equate all three of those as if they're equals, and the scripture is very clear that those aren't equals, mm-hmm. that there is something less when you are worshiping as an individual as when you are worshiping with God's corporate body. As Phil said, it so much permeates the, the, the whole of scripture. It's not like you're pointing to a verse, it's the thread. I mean, I just preached through um, 1 Samuel 26, and, and one of the complaints is David is running from his life from Saul, and Saul has been chasing, chasing him down, and David confronts Saul and says, why have you driven me out of the presence of the Lord? Are you trying to make me go serve other gods? Well, wait a minute. If David could equally worship as an individual outside of the temple, what's David talking about? What he's talking about is he's upset because he can no longer gather at the tabernacle. He can no longer gather with God's people. He can no longer gather corporately. And he's saying that is equivalent of you telling me to go serve other gods. Mm-hmm. Well, that mindset is completely foreign to the, the modern culture, where if I have my my Bible and can go out into the mountains, that's more worshipful than sitting in a, in a church. Well, right? I think here in Idaho especially, I mean, I've, I've grown up here and I'm not picking on Idahoans, but I think there's also another thread here, which is, well, I have my family. I, I've met countless Christians, professing Christians who, you know, they do family worship at home. And they completely neglect the gathering of themselves together. Now, I would just say to press back just a little bit, because I'm on the same page with you guys, but just to press back a little bit. So that verse in Hebrews that you quoted, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. about gathering together, if I were on the other side of this argument, I would say, well, I do gather together. I don't forsake the gathering. I gather with other Christians in my home. I mean, so what I'm looking for is layers here. You you talk about this thread, layers of proving that the corporate worship is what God is calling us to. So what you find in the New Testament narrative, just in the narrative section of the book of Acts, is that they were gathered together, not as individual families, but they were gathered together as God's people. Acts chapter 2. What you also have is, why was Paul writing to churches and not just to families? All of the epistles assume he was writing to gathered bodies, Mm -hmm. not of individual families, of gathered bodies of God's family. Mm -hmm. And then in that, he sets up all of the structures, not for individual families, which he does at points in the epistles, talks about the relationship of husbands and wives and parents to children. But he also talks about quite extensively 
about the structure within the local body and mm-hmm. how people how to interact with the under shepherds and the elders and the deacons and how they're supposed to right. treat them. That, so that evidence of, of church government of, of elders and deacons is one of the signs of gathering together. Exercise of church discipline, for instance, is, you know, a sign of a gathered church, as well as all the exhortations to mutual edification, all the one another passages that are all about that. One of the things is that and people don't like to talk about church this way because once you begin to talk about church this way, then you have to talk about the doctrines of the church, what are important, the the things that are important, what why one church may be more faithful to Scripture than another church, or um, to talk about the doctrine of the church is to begin to talk about the things that must be p- believed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm worshiping in my own home, I can believe anything I want. We're talking about what makes something more biblical than something else. What you know, what is more gospel oriented than something else? And then they don't like to be told to join a local assembly because they don't want to submit themselves to one another, which is a call of Scripture. Uh, that we're to submit ourselves to one another. And and they've drifted away. And then those others that want it occasionally, it, it's probably, probably because they, in our culture, they want to pick the churches that are the program they offer or the entertaining services that are there or different things that appeal to them personally rather than corporately as a, a body of Christ. And I would also say in, in response to the idea, well, I, you know, I, I gather with my family or my, my family is my church. This is what I'm about to say is not real, real popular in, in the United States of America. The New Testament radically relativizes family and our commitment to family. And uh, don't get me wrong, uh, you, you know, I love my family and we're called into families. Scripture has a lot to say about you know, loving our families and, and being in covenant and, and remaining faithful to those commitments. Uh, but remember, you know, when, when Jesus uh, was in, he was in a house teaching and his, his disciples around him and somebody came and said, uh, your, your mother and your brothers are outside here and they want to talk to you. And Jesus looked at the people, his disciples, they're gathered with him in that house. And he said, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. He wasn't rejecting his family, but he was teaching something powerful about that the, that the commitment we have in, in Christ, um, we, we can't, family can't be a substitute for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the gathering of lots of families and lots of individuals brings together people uh, who may be really different from me and, and uh, maybe <laughs> that's what that's what makes a church mm-hmm. uh, and not the like mindedness of a biological family. Right. And you often hear this this strange, almost um, patriarchal framework on steroids in, in some dimensions of the Christian church as if the, the father in the home um, actually has more authority than those that God has ordained within the local church. Um, If you want to try to push back and say, show me something from Scripture, show me something from Scripture that actually supports that that mindset, that somehow that the Father takes precedent over those God has ordained in his church to speak authoritatively. That's like in the Old Testament going and saying, I don't need to listen to the prophet of the Lord because I'm the father of the home. Yeah. Well, no, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's equally ridiculous in the New Testament that there are authorities that actually supersede the father in the home. And I'm not 
just like Phil, I'm not trying to neglect what the father is responsible for. My responsibility is to raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Mm -hmm. That is true. But I do so as one under another authority, the authority of the church. We need to remember what the goal God has for us. God's goal, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 3.10, is so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. It is through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known. God displays his perfections through the church, mm-hmm. and God is best glorified when He things are as he intends them to be. So if you want to glorify God, he intended you to do that through the church. Yep. So today we've been talking about does God call the church to gather corporately, or can we just gather as individuals? And clearly from the New Testament, we see that God has ordained elders and deacons and church discipline in the sacraments and these things it's it's not just one proof text that shows that god is calling us to gather corporately this is the whole testimony of scripture you've been listening to the gospel for life we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow what does god call the church family to look like if you'd like to visit us just go to reformationvoice.com we'll see you next time